When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, we should probably start off this next segment with a chorus of boos because that's usually the only feedback men and women in this profession get, at least from those watching the game from the seats. My name is Reed Wilkins. I'm pleased to be joined by FIFA referee and Edmontonian Dave Gantar. Dave, great to see you. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Well, it's it's a pleasure to talk to you, and I referenced earlier in the show, uh, we, we've been in touch for a while trying to find a night where you could actually come in and uh, sit down for, for 40 minutes and, and chat about your profession and getting into it. And I think, I think people need to know there's a high, high-level soccer referee living right here in Edmonton. We talk a lot about the athletes, but not about the officials. But what is your schedule like uh, in the summer? Is it possible to summarize? <laughs> so, so, so you start off with a chorus of booze, then you threw in a nice compliment for me, so thanks very much. But okay, to, to my schedule, um, it, it's crazy. Summertime is is a lot of time spent on the road. Uh, very fortunate. I get to travel to a lot of interesting places and see a lot of great stadiums, so a lot of time traveling. And you're doing a lot of MLS games. Yes. And uh, you mentioned you got an international game coming up went on the weekend already? Uh, it'll be next week. Next week, and that's in Jamaica? Yes. Okay, <laughs> so, and that is what, uh, uh, CONCACAF Champions League? You got her. Okay, so you're doing, uh, w- would you say in the summer it's primarily MLS and then some international, or what would the balance be? Yeah, definitely. A- MLS is the, the the weekly cycle once or twice a week. I'm on the road somewhere, and that's what's busy throughout the summer from, and forget the summer, from March through to October, and then playoffs are after that. So Okay, and how far in advance do you get your assignments? Uh, four weeks is what happens early in the season. As okay. the end of the season wraps up, it tightens up, so we get three, two weeks, even one week in advance for the late stages of the playoffs. And is this like the NHL and the and the NFL and the other leagues, the better regular season your your supervisors think you have, the more playoff games you get? Hey, that's the normal. And I sure hope it always works that way. All right, so you must have had a pretty good season last year because you got to work the MLS final in what capacity? As the video assistant referee. Okay, so there's the referee, there's the two linesmen, and now the video assistant referee. Which yeah. the, How long is MLS? Now, they had the video assistant referee in the World Cup, which I want to talk about. How long have they had it in MLS? MLS, uh, last year was the first. They started halfway through the season. So they were one of the first leagues that was uh, granted a trial on it. And that was, yeah, we started midway through the season. So that was the first oh, year. Wow. So I, I, I was fortunate to be the first ever uh, VAR on a, on a MLS final game. So. There you go. So pretty cool. And I, you know, I watched that game, but I can't remember. Were you used in that game? Uh, I. Here's the funny part about VAR. It's like um, a duck on on the water, right? We're we're in the background frantically looking at 
clips and angles and different things and what it looks like to the field or to the, to the viewers that you know it's all calm everything looks great um, and it's it's very it's the rare uh, situations where we actually are seeing recommending a review or sending something down so yeah very busy that game it was very but nothing that I recommended a review on okay so you're in constant uh, dialogue if you need to be with the referee on the field D- the- we are mic'd up and wow. yeah we're, we're there so anything um, but you can't let at? it sit for too long you can't you don't have the so you might say I need to look at this Correct. again as opposed to say that was a foul for sure or a handball or whatever right so every uh, the situations we review are uh, penalties goals red cards and mistaken identity is what they are and if any one of those situations occur so there was a few goals in that final um, every one of those were reviewed and until I said check complete the referee would not restart play okay in the World Cup final there was a, a handball controversial um can you tell us what would have been, and I don't expect you to critique the call because those those are your colleagues. And plus, I mean, judging from the fan feedback, it was it was a pretty close call. But what? How does that process work once it gets gets rolling? Because then the referee, so the VAR. Uh, official, which you've been, is looking at a video, but you've also been the ref, where a VAR official might say, "Let let's talk." So take us through the the steps, because and also you have to do it as quickly as possible, because guys like me are sitting at home <laughs> and we don't want to watch nothing for six or seven minutes. Exactly, there's, there's a balance there. there, there one of the big um, themes of VAR, though, is is take the time to get it right. So look, there's still a tremendous amount of pressure, but there's a push to get it right. In relation to that decision, the the referee on the field uh, clearly did not see it. I, I don't think he even saw any contact with the hand. And so what that does for the, the VAR kind of looks at it as a video and goes, well, the referee didn't see it. Then they go through their process looking at and look at the World Cup. I don't know how many angles there were uh, cameras. There were lots. It, yeah. it, it's 60 plus or something. And they got a team of operators and everything like that. And they're cycling through for something that gives them the best angle. And once they find that, um, and the VAR is convinced that it's a handball, um, and in that case, the person was convinced, and they recommend a review to the referee, um, and the referee then does that fancy signal, the the box, right? Yeah, that's and, really, uh, and 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 jogs over to the monitor and and takes a look at what the VAR is sending them. So, so who makes the final call though? Is it still the on-field ref that ultimately has to say it? The referee. All the okay. VAR does is is uh, recommends a review. That's it. Um, and the only person that can initiate the review or launch it or do anything with that review is still ultimately the referee. Interesting. Okay. So that's how that that's how that would have broken down. So so the, if if the V and I'm, we're getting hypothetical here, but if so if the VAR guy says if I'm the VAR guy to say Dave, he meant to do it. Like he, that's an intentional handball. I'm convinced if I were on the field that's what I'm calling. You could you can still say, "Sorry Wilkins, I am the guy on the field today. I I, I appreciate we had to look at it." But what what a difficult position! Like if you look at the referee on the day, we probably Tana, wouldn't talk to each other that way. But I but no, it's it's quite open. Hey, these these are guys you work with repeatedly, so you know each other quite well, typically. And the referee on the day that that is so difficult to have a colleague of yours to say, hey, I, I think this is a clear and obvious error, and you go to that monitor and and look, we have our sports psychologist training us to take you know three deep breaths before walking to that monitor and and going in as a 
a neutral mind to look at it, you know, in a, in a way where you're going to come up with a, a good conclusion. But it's a difficult, difficult thing, and especially for that referee being in that pressure situation. That, well, yeah, VAR easy. in the World Cup final, that's going to be on all the top ten lists uh, of video uh, review decisions. So Exactly. Yeah. So did you guys, FIFA, provide you guys with, uh, I don't know if it would be MLS or FIFA, but do you all have sports psychologists that help you deal with the, the, the tension? The, the game has gotten um, from um, dietitians to um, fitness consultants to, you know, the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I, I take my heart rate variability and then um, it gets sent in and I get a workout assigned for me for the day. I have to send in heart rate readings and but who GPS are you sending it to? It's uh, For this, it's my, uh, the league. So MLS. Okay, so MLS, that's for MLS. And the professional referees organization is pro, is, is okay. who my bosses are within. And we send it into them. And these trainers are sports scientists, um, look at the data, see how I'm doing fatigue-wise, everything, whether I'm doing well on, on my runs, etc. They, they analyze my game data and they adjust accordingly. So from dietitians to sports psychologists to everything, the game, even from when I started till now, it's, 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 it's amazing the amount of supports and everything there. And it's required. Um, the game's gotten faster. There's more pressures. There's way more money involved, all the rest of that. So, uh, How much do you run? How far will you run during a match? A, a normal game for me will be about 14 kilometers. Okay. <laughs> So in a couple of hours, yeah. <laughs> you get a halftime break, um, and you do two matches a week usually? Um, it'll be typically, um, they try not to load you up too much, okay. but I would say an average is about one and a half, I would say. Okay, so you're doing six games a month for the, argument's sake. Okay, so so you're, and, and then you get a train on your off days. It's, they expect you to do, well, you have to do something. Definitely. You get a travel day after the game day, you get one rest day, and then you're back on full training, so... See, this is and all the all the hardcore soccer fans are gonna are gonna laugh at me, but I still wonder. And I and I realize the linesmen can call fouls if it's, certainly if it's right in front of them. You mentioned how you're all mic'd up together, so they can immediately say, "Dave, I got the push here," and they you know. But I I still wonder could there not be two referees on the field to a cut down on the running, so maybe you guys can work longer and and get a little you know recover quicker. And B, I mean, one guy can't see every angle from 22 players out there. I hate the, the debate will rage on about uh, until the day where there are no mistakes by referees. There will always be, right. be, be, be solutions <laughs> and uh, and proposals to do different things. Hey, yeah, in one way that would definitely help things out. But on the flip side, what you're going to have is is refereeing a game is a lot about how you manage people and your feel for that game in the day and getting two people that in sync. Mm-hmm. You know, might add a different set of challenges. So. Right, the standard. Both guys would have to be have the exact same standard for that day. Agreed. Right. Okay. Uh, Dave Gantar is in studio. Uh, he's been telling us about uh, refing internationally, refereeing in uh, refing in MLS. So your MLS game is when this week? Uh, Saturday. Saturday, Sunday. I have two. And who weekend. who are these? Uh, Saturday, I'm fourth for Toronto and Montreal. Okay. Official. Uh, and then on Sunday, I'm in New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
doing New York Red Bulls and DC United. Okay, well, Toronto, Montreal will obviously be on TV. So yes. if people can, can check that one and, and they'll see you on there. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You can text 630-630 and certainly uh, take advantage here in the next 20 minutes if you have any questions for Dave Gantar, who uh, is from little old Edmonton and uh, refing in FIFA and in MLS. He mentioned he's got a couple of games coming up this weekend. So let's get that story out there, Dave, because, uh, I mean, look, I don't know a lot of people, you know, younger people who are like, I want to be a professional soccer ref. When I grow up, uh, you've I, done I it. Didn't. I didn't. Oh, right. I, so where, I didn't. Did, where did it start? <laughs> it's funny. I, at 12 years old, uh, my dad was the uh, um, soccer director of the community and they were short referees. And I think, uh, in a way, my mom and dad said, you know, you got to teach this kid some responsibility and how to earn a little bit of money. And so I went and took the course and I was out in the field, you know, um, blowing the whistle and, and getting yelled at by parents and, and learning how to manage things. Uh, my dad passed away when I was. Uh, 15 uh-huh. uh, and my older brother and I took over coaching our younger brother's team that my dad was coaching and um, I couldn't stand the referees <laughs> I, I, no I, I had I had trouble like I was I was one of those guys that was really outspoken and you know what For, uh, there was uh, I still I still remember it was city championships and I went to the referee after the game and the, the guy said to me Dave you know if, if you think I, I've seen your referee I think I think you're pretty good so but you know what if you really think you're that good there's an upgrade clinic this next weekend and I said I'm doing it and so I went and I took the course um, and two years later I was doing national Canadian national championships um, I was uh, five years after that I did my first professional game and and things wow. just went really so quickly your after that early to mid 20s you're you're already yeah. hitting a high level it, it starts it, it goes quick it's um, if you invest the time and you're ready I think it, it things happen the right opportunities come along so you so you have to be athletic obviously we talked about that and you have to have the judgment and the mindset for it and and you mentioned being yelled at by parents when you were a teen and and that's a story we talk about a lot in hockey a lot of younger officials uh quit not always because of that but sometimes because they just think what like i'm i'm trying to do a good job here and why am i getting screamed at how did you push through that and where and what are the keys to the, the mental strength for a ref? I, it, it's funny, we were talking about this a group of senior referees last week, and perseverance is the word. Like, I, I, we, we just managed to, to persevere longer than other guys. And, um, and truly, it's, I don't know how to say it, it it's a skill. Like, you, you learn how to deal with people. You learn how to deal with the most irate person on the planet. And if you can find a way to settle them down and, you know, get them to, to move in a direction that's good for both of you, then what a great thing to have on that. Um, the, the people, referees are, uh, hey, we're human beings. We're, we're and, and there's some amazing people out there as well that I've met in my life. I've been very fortunate. I've got friends all around the planet. Um, and... It, it, hey, those things keep you going, and it's it's until I walk out in the stadium, um, like it'll be in New York on Sunday, you know, and, and there'll be you know twenty five thousand people out there, and I walk on the grass, and I still get that thrill every time. Um, 
I, the day that happens is the day I'm going to retire. So I'm still loving it. How do you, how how tolerant of you? And, and I mean, look, a lot of people watch the, the World Cup, and as you know, a lot of people who don't watch soccer regularly watch the World Cup. And I saw a lot. The ref makes a call, and then he's swarmed by five guys on the team. Uh, you know, and you often see the ref put his hand. How, how much of that do you do you tolerate when it's questioning your call or maybe your intelligence or, or whatever? <laughs> it it depends, and and that's I don't know if that's a great answer or not, but it depends on the situation. Um, if, uh, for example, um, I would say for referees starting out, their tolerance should be very low. Um, it should be something that you you don't take, and it's something you deal up and you, and you do right away. Um, as you move up towards the professional level, there's an understanding that there's a little bit of a give and take. Um, if a player goes and shows me up, or um, and and I'm getting here with body language that's that's very bad or something like that, versus talking to me, and I, I can tell you, there's things people have told me that on TV it doesn't look like they're saying anything mean to me. Um, there's a balance here. We're professionals, and we have to learn how to deal with it. Uh, but when things cross the line, we deal with it appropriately. Okay. And is that always a yellow card, or it, it could? Hey, it depends on how far they they push it. It could, could okay. be straight to a red card. So, well, you can go straight red. Yeah. Right. Or do you ever just say, "Are you going to let me talk?" Does that ever work? <laughs> there's <laughs> hey, hey, the, the look you just gave me there was. I think it would have worked. Um, there, there's a lot of different ways of of uh, dealing with it, and I find uh, people with the best personalities and using who they are to to find a way to to uh, talk to that player and bring them back to the game in that moment is the right way to go. So. All right, uh, Dave Gantar is in studio, soccer referee. Uh, we're starting to get some text uh, rolling in here. Uh, how many yellow car- yellow cards before you automatically get a red card? That's two, isn't it, in a game? You got it. Two in a game. And then if the red cards build up, don't they also get suspensions, depending on the league or the tournament? So, referees, I'm there to deal in the game, the leagues and suspensions Oh, yeah, but after, are, no, I know you don't, but but, yeah. but there are, uh, if a guy accumulates oh, a certain definitely. number of cards. But that varies from country to country, doesn't country, it? Country, competition okay. to competition as well. Uh, all right, Christoph says, uh, I've been a fan of soccer all my life, but my interest is reduced every time I see another ridiculous dive in a match. In my opinion, there's nothing more degrading to the sport. When will, <laughs> when will FIFA begin to start suspending players that cheat in such a manner? Okay, Dave just clarified. He can't talk about what FIFA or the leagues are going to do to players, but we do we do have to talk about the, the diving situation, the flopping, the, the flopping, the rolling around. Yes. Um... <laughs> And sometimes, it, sometimes it is a foul, but the guy still. <laughs> th- there was a great uh, article that addressed this. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't remember the details uh, of who wrote it, etc. But the concept it was about Neymar in the World Cup with, yeah. with Brazil, um, and he's a player that is highly skilled, highly fast, and a strategy for teams is constantly to hit him. So a player who's going to run 12 to 13, 14 kilometers uh, per game uh, and sprinting, et cetera, cetera, and is getting repeatedly fouled, in cases like that, players use it as a way to protect themselves. They're getting there's contact that occurs, but then they're going down and and doing. And look, it, it doesn't look good or great on the game at the end of the day. So I can understand the perspective. I can understand what it's about. And we have a very hard job to differentiate between what is true simulation and what is a foul. Mm-hmm. And the, hey, the professionals are very good at that at, uh, all the time. In in heck, I I think they train on it to some degree. 
Can you give a? I mean, just, I know you guys call it simulation. Can you give a card for that? Yes, that's okay. if it's simulation, it's it's a yellow card is what we do. Um, the biggest thing to address that question is um, why soccer is such a or football, depending on which way you want to call it, is mm-hmm. such a beautiful game. Is it's the mix of all the different cultures. And you've got cultures where diving and cheating is an accepted, encouraged part of the game. Um, I was at the Pan American Games in 2011 in uh, Mexico, and a player from Mexico does the Maradona hand a god uh, goal into the net, uh, wins the game for Mexico in the dying minutes. Um, if that happens in Canada, the, you know, the front page of the newspapers would say cheater, shame, something like that. I went out the next morning and took a photo. 22 newspapers uh, in Mexico said hero, champion, well done, etc. On that, got front. it in the net and got away with it. I, I, so, and, yeah. and that's you—you you have a. That's what makes the game so beautiful. But at the same time, it, it drives some of us nuts. Uh, Dave, can you stick around for a bit after some three news? A couple more questions on the text line uh, I want to get to. Dave Cantar is in studio. Uh, he's been talking about refereeing MLS, refereeing internationally, his story from growing up in Edmonton and making it to some of the biggest stadiums in the world. You can text 630-630. We'll also touch base with Rod Cohn, longtime trainer at Northlands. Final Canadian Derby is at Northlands on Saturday. Inside Sports on Chet coming right back. This is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right. Having a lot of fun tonight. Dave Gantar is in studio. Have some great questions for him on the text line to 630, 630. Uh, Dave, uh, getting ready to work a couple of MLS games this weekend. Uh, this texture says, what is the normal lifespan for a professional referee? Now, I think he means working working lifespan, <laughs> not that the fans decide <laughs> that, that's, I, I, that's it. I, th- I think it's 73 still, you know, I, I think right now. I, seriously, the um, most referees retire still, even though there's no mandatory retirement age, most referees still retire in the 45 okay. uh, age range. Um, and getting on to uh, the professional circuit, I would say um, 28, 29 is a possibility, something like that. Okay. So, you know, you can have... So you work, you're looking about a couple decades at, at yeah, the high levels. Go, yeah. And there's guys, there's a, a referee uh, just outside of Toronto that he's now coming up to 50 and he's still going strong. So um, people are breaking down some of those barriers on age quickly. Uh, Jared says, uh, Dave, could you expand on what you mean by perseverance as a skill? It... Um, a lot of times people will, how do I put this? Quitting, people sometimes believe is easier than continuing on and it's the way out. Or you just get, you're full up, you didn't get the assignment you wanted, you didn't get the games you wanted, etc. from a referee perspective. And perseverance to me is something that's, um, it's it practiced, it takes time. It's something you got to believe in and, and stick with. So that's kind of where it comes from for me. Um, I, this is this one's for me. 
How do you decide the time added on? Is that solely the ref? <laughs> uh, it, it's quite scientific. No, uh, there is a certain list of uh, items that we can add time on for. Uh, injuries, um, teams delaying, uh, substitutions, things like that. Um, the referee crews were pretty good, and it's because we're all mic'd up again. We'll, on any situation, we'll add on. We'll go, that's 30 seconds for that. That's a minute for that. Uh, we delayed that one for two minutes. Let's make sure we add that on. Okay. So at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're typically, those are the, the time, that's the time frame that we want to add on. Do, do substitutions contribute to that? Yeah, definitely. If they take a long, if it's a very quick one and it's, you know, two seconds in and out, but a lot of times late in the game, guys are uh, cramping up something that they're walking from one side of the field over to the center. So it, it, it takes 30, 40 seconds. I noticed that at the World Cup, the team that had the lead seemed to all of a sudden want to substitute guys on the far side of the field. <laughs> I wonder why. Late, late in the match. I, I wonder, I, I, yeah. so you account for all that. You can say, okay, this we'll we allow X number of seconds, but we're not going to allow that. Agreed. All right. Okay. Um, what about the little? Uh, what 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 are you guys spraying on the ground now? Magic tell- spray. What do you mean? It, it's it's magical. It's, <laughs> it's magical vanishing spray. It, it's I don't know exactly what goes into it, but they're nice little containers that are a nice clip-on belts for us. And um, it, it, what a great uh, look! I was a cynic of it when it was first introduced. But it is an amazing thing to spray that line down and not have to say a thing to a player, and they just retreat back to that line. It, it, it. So it, no, they can't inch forward or back. No, or it's, it's mark. They still try. Like there's occasions where people will do, but it, like it's it, Seriously, you just mark the location of the ball where it's going to be placed, and you mark the line for the wall, and everybody gets to their positions, and you move on. Because that's relatively new, isn't it? Well, maybe yeah, a couple of last, World Cups they've had. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Last World Cup was the first one. Or it might have been the, the one before that. Right, so. and then it just disappears. That's gone. Play on. Yeah, yeah. I let every before every game, I give a, my can of spray to one lucky uh, young fan, and I let them <laughs> test it out for me and lay oh, it out to make sure it's working. So <laughs> that's great. There, there, there are Canadians everywhere learning how to spray. Uh, Anthony says, why don't they just stop the clock instead of adding time? Like, well, that would be soccer's just timed differently, because you'd have to have you'd have to come up with a number less than forty-five. It's I. So, yeah, it's there's talk of that. Um, I think there's experiments that they're um, they're playing with ex, uh, uh, to do that. Like FIFA's always looking at ways to do that. So um, the the person that suggests that yeah, you 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 might you're onto something. They're they're looking at it. I and again we'll see how that plays out going forward. Right, but it's I mean it's been two forty fives with time added on. Injury. Do you call it time added on or injury time? I call it both. <laughs> you, you can, I'll let you call it what you want. Okay, thanks. It's additional time. It's, oh, it's additional time. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's usually, what, two to four minutes? Oh, it depends. Um, well, I now, guess, yeah. Now you're having water breaks, for example, or like for heat delays when it's over a certain temperature in mm-hmm. a lot of places. So that's two minutes right there. Like there, there's games with... Uh, VAR now, video reviews. Some of those take upwards of two minutes as well. So you have a couple of those in so a half. So that's all added on, like, right? You could be in, I've seen eight minutes shown on, on the board a few times this year. So You've, you've refed all over the world, obviously. Uh, what's the most extreme weather you've had to work in? Oh, you can go from uh, freezing cold, we got that covered here in Canada, <laughs> sure. right? To, um, you know, you're dealing with hot, beyond hot, beyond hot in the, the southern states, uh, like like Dallas, we're talking here, um, Houston, like the cities there where, where there are games. When you get the humidity and they sometimes believe in playing a mid-afternoon game, it's like that is scorching on that front. So, yeah, you could go anywhere. Yeah, East Coast, you know, going out to Newfoundland for, I remember, Canadian 
national championship. So the the win there, impressive. So um, yeah, <laughs> you, you you can you can do anything. It, yeah, we, there, there's not many things that get a, a, a lightning chases us away or a air quality index, but that's about it. Otherwise, we play the yeah, game. Otherwise, so. you, you keep going. So lightning, yeah. you get off the field or heavy. Uh, if it's 10 plus like we had in Edmonton yeah. last week. Um, so uh, the play, what, what are you, what we're getting closer to what the finals in November for MLS? Uh, early December. It's early December. Okay. So you're still waiting to see uh, what you do for playoffs. And then do you, do you have an off season? As a referee? Uh, oh, we, we between December 6th, uh, January, end of January, uh, the last week in January, every year we have our pre-season camp, and that includes our fitness test and everything, so th- there's not much of time. You, you, you're not, if you go crazy at Christmas, you're going to pay for it fitness test time, so it it's something we, it's continuous. Okay, so a bit of a break from doing matches, but not from, from staying in, in tip-top shape. What do you, what do you, when you talk to younger referees, aspiring referees, refs earlier in their career, what do you, what do you try to communicate to them as a couple of pillars? There, uh, in the refereeing world now, there is opportunity and there is, there's opportunity for people to progress. There's great jobs that are out there in doing this. Um, and what a great experience in the different places that you get. Um, the biggest thing though, I say to young referees that come up, I say, do it because you love it. Um, and and I do. I, I, I love doing it, and I hope it, 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 money will only go so far. Everything will only go. Uh, other things, the prestige will only go so far. If you love it, the going back to perseverance, right. it, it, it's a lot easier to to keep going with it. Well, this was great to get to know you a little bit, Dave. Thanks for sharing your story and, and giving some fans some uh, you know look sort of behind the scenes, the inner workings of, of of calling a game and what goes into being a referee. So everybody, remember if you're watching uh, an MLS game or an international game and you see referee Dave Gantar make sure it clicks that's the guy from Edmonton he was on Inside Sports uh, because I know you guys don't do a lot Mother's Day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones Blue Nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight plus enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A lot of interviews either, so thanks for doing this one tonight. Thanks for having me, Agreed. It was great. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Well, that was great to have Dave Gantar in studio. All the best with him as he continues uh, what has already been a very successful career refereeing the uh, beautiful game of football, as they call it in most of the world, soccer here in Canada. Uh, Canada eliminated from the Little League World Series today, a 9-4 loss to Puerto Rico. Blue Jays beat the Orioles 6-0. Thomas Pannone took a no-hitter into the seventh in his first career start. Good stuff there. Huskies and Wildcats will play each other junior football, 7 o'clock at Clark on Saturday. Eskimos, Tiger Cats tomorrow, right here on 6.30. Ched, Eskimos are 6-3. and three. Tiger Cats are 3-5. and five. 4 o'clock for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 5.30. Saturday at Northlands Park, 
Post time is set for 6.55 p.m. The 89th Canadian Derby, the final Canadian Derby at Northlands Park. Uh, I think a lot of people are hopeful the Derby will continue at uh, the new racetrack south of the city. We'll see if something comes out of that later this week. But I'm pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports, longtime trainer at Northlands Park. It's my buddy Rod Cohn. Rod, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's great to catch up with you on the show again. I know we've spoken a, a few times uh, in the past, so thanks for for checking in tonight. What are you? A th- is it a three-time Derby winner as a trainer? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, after a, a long, drawn-out uh, inquiry uh, review, uh, I was uh, named one of the winners of last year's Derby, so that made my third Derby win. Okay, well, what was the story there again? So you you found out, was it, what, how long after? Well, well uh, almost a year. We just found out here a month or so ago, there was a, uh, uh, I put an inquiry in in the race. My horse was bumped at the head of the lane and uh, almost fell down, and I put in an inquiry, which was disallowed by the Stuarts and was later overturned by an appeals committee set up by Horse Racing Alberta, and... Um, and they overturned the Stuart's decision and uh, moved myself and a horse uh, owned locally here, Tro- Trooper John, and my horse, Double Bear, and Trooper John got moved up uh, to declare two winners in the Derby. So uh, that's still under review, but uh, right now we're Derby winners. So that made my third Derby win, made me very happy. Okay, well, man, that's uh, that's quite an amazing sequence of events. So usually, like, it isn't usually the review take about two minutes right after the race, not eleven months. Well, it, it should. Uh, the Stuarts didn't flash the inquiry light, which was very questionable call by you know most people couldn't figure out why the inquiry light wasn't flashing. Uh, the Stuarts saw it differently, I guess, but uh, the uh, review panel. Uh, after a series of, I think there was three different hearings, finally uh, the review board finally overturned the Stuart's decision and moved us up as the winners. Okay, uh, when were your other two derby wins, Rod? Uh, 1993, I won the derby with a horse called Cozy Gray, owned by the Allard family and Derwood Ashcroft from Edmonton here. And in 1997, I won the derby with uh, a fleet dancer, also owned by the Allard family of Edmonton. Okay, and when did you start uh, training? Uh, I actually had my first trainer's license, I think it was 1974. Uh, most of my early career, I was shoeing a lot of horses around Northlands, and well, actually all across Canada, I was shoeing horses, so I didn't start full-time training until about 1989. Okay. So I mean, and then you win those those two uh, those two derbies in the '90s, and obviously last year's. R- Rod, the I mean the the feeling of winning as a as a trainer. Uh, I mean, I mean, what is that like? I mean, you got the you know the jockeys out there, the the horses out there. You're kind of helpless once the race starts, I guess. But what's the feeling of winning as a trainer like? Well, it, it's fantastic. I mean, once we leg that rider up and give him our last instructions, if any. I don't give a lot of instructions because most times the gate opens and they forget what I said anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, which is understandable. You know, they got a thousand-pound animal that they got to steer around that track, and uh, you can't give too explicit instructions. I try to I try to give them a little encouragement and and uh, good luck, and that's about it. But you leg the rider up on that horse, and uh, you've done everything you can do. You've been training the horse for months, pointing him at this Canadian Derby, and uh, it's a mile and three eighths. 
You know, it's uh, one of the longest races of the year and certainly the longest derby in Canada. And it's just uh, it's a fantastic feeling when your horse comes down the lane in front. There's no better feeling. Rod, what... I mean, I'm not talking about on Derby Day. I'm just maybe sort of talking about a, a quote-unquote regular day during the season, yeah. if you want to call it that. What's a day in the life of a trainer typically like? Well, you know, I, I to me, it's my whole life. It's my passion. I, I get here anywhere from quarter to four to, you know, to four o'clock in the morning. Very seldom I'm here after four. Uh, I like to help in the morning feed my horses so that I can... Yeah, I kind of see how they made it through the night. Did they eat their supper last night? Uh, my my crew starts to wander in any time after four thirty or five o'clock, and and uh, they get the horses brushed and ready to go to the track. Uh, yeah, I'm usually here till twelve thirty or one o'clock before I get a chance to go have lunch, get a break, and uh, quite often we're right back at the track again within a couple of hours feeding and uh, you know making sure everybody's good for the day if we're if we're racing at night sometimes we don't get out of here till midnight if we're running in a late race but we're back here at four the next day and and we do that seven days a week the horses don't take a day off so we right. don't either so it's uh you know it's 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 not a lifestyle it's a it's a passion i mean you you have to do it i have a very understanding wife and family that uh, put up with me being here so uh, it's it's uh, it's an excitement every day for me. There isn't a day goes by that I uh, don't feel like a kid skipping school. You know. Well, having said that, though, it's it's a performance based profession. I mean, if I if I purchase a racehorse rod, I'm not going to hire Rod Cohn as my trainer if I see his horses are coming in last in every race. No, I mean you're only as good as your last win in this business, and, and you know it's uh, it's like the hockey coach. You know, you five or six straight losses, that coach's job might be on the line. So it's very competitive. We have to we have to have those horses competitive. They've got to be fit. They've got to be healthy, and uh, hopefully we we run them in the race that they fit in. And uh, very competitive sport. So to survive in it, it's uh, you you have to work at it, and uh, and you have to work every day of the year you don't you don't take too many days off because if you do uh, something will go wrong so you you're right here watching over those horses 24 hours a day almost you know i i i attend the races at northlands uh, once or tw- twice a year I'll, I'll throw some money down and usually lose it that's how it goes but i like yeah. to look at the program and try to at least in my own very amateur way handicap a little bit and i know sometimes a horse will always have had the same jockey Sometimes it might be a jockey for two races, then somebody else, then then somebody else. How much input does a trainer have into who the jockey is? Well, we, you know, the the jockeys all have agents, or most of them do. They have agents. So uh, on entry day, it's it's kind of like being at the stock market. Everybody's you know <laughs> moving around and negotiating, and uh, uh, you know you're trying to get. Quite often, you have your rider lined up ahead of time, but we try to work with the agents and put riders on the horses that suit the horses. We don't always get the rider we want. The rider, will, you know, the agent's job is to put his rider on the best horse in the race if possible and uh, you just have to hope that sometimes they're wrong and and you know they don't get on the best horse that you have the best horse so uh, you know we have a good bunch of riders here a real bunch of professional riders at Northlands Park we're very fortunate that way uh, this year we have some excellent riders here and you're going to see some of the best here on Saturday in the Derby 
and it's it's going to be a very interesting race. And uh, the, you know, the trainer has to negotiate and work with the owner of the horse. The owner of the horse has to feel confidence in his jockey as well. So. Uh, you know, there's the owners involved, the agents involved, and the trainers involved, and we all negotiate trying to get the best rider on the best horse. So, Rod, uh, Rod Cohn, sorry, Rod, Rod Cohn joining us in Inside Sports, longtime trainer at Northlands, three-time Canadian Derby champion. You mentioned that the, that the Derby is a mile and three eighths long race. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I know from attending and covering in the past, you have a lot of horses who have never run that distance competitively. As a trainer, how do you get the horses ready for a long and sometimes unfamiliar distance? You know, getting a horse ready for a long race is a, you know, it's a very fine line. There's a very fine line between having your horse dead fit or sore and lamed up. You you have to be able to judge your horse on a daily basis. Uh, it's not just a matter of going out and you know and sending him as hard as he can go for two miles to get all the air that you you know you think he should have. You have to uh, train every horse individually. Some horses will take more training. Uh, getting ready for a long race like that is takes a lot more thought and a lot more. Uh, time involved with your individual horse than it does say running a horse five eighths of a mile or three quarters of a mile okay uh rod we're, we're getting short on time here uh sure. you're always you're always a pleasure to talk to are, are there any uh, i mean look this this is it for racing at, at northlands any you know any quirks to this park or or, or track that uh, that you'd like to share you know, I'm I'm sitting here in the grandstand right now. We just had a horseman's meeting upstairs here, and I'm sitting in the grandstand right now looking out over the park, and I'll be honest with you, there's a, almost a tear in my eye. I've been coming here since I was four years old. That's 68 years ago I came here the first time, and uh, my dad used to bring me to the races every Saturday, and I was hooked. I used to skip school and sneak out here to walk horses, and and uh, it, it's sad to be leaving here. There's a uh, you know, a huge history. The uh, Derby has been here since the mid-50s. They moved it from Winnipeg to uh, Northlands. The Canadian Derby got moved here, and it's been running here ever since. And, uh, you know, this is going to be the last one at Northlands. I don't think it'll be the last Canadian Derby. I'm sure it's going to get moved out to the new track. But uh, it's, it's sad to be leaving here. There's a, uh, you know, this is this is home for me, and uh, it's it's a real shame that this park is going to close. And I don't know what's going to happen to it, but it's it's a shame that the horses are leaving. Rod, well said. Thanks for some of your insight and memories tonight. Love talking to you. Enjoy the Derby on Saturday. Hope we can catch up again soon. Yeah, well, so hopefully we'll see you Saturday in the crowd somewhere there. Right on. That is Rod Cohn, longtime trainer at Northlands, three-time Canadian Derby champ. Man, love talking to him. Fun show. Had Dave Gantar on the show. Morley had your Eskimos Tiger Cats preview tomorrow, 4 o'clock for the pregame show, game at 5.30, right here on 6.30 Chat. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, the studio producer. The producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell. Thanks to everybody who texted and called in. And, of course, thank you so much for listening. I'll be back on Friday. Take care, everybody. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.